I think it's about this time every year that I start to feel like the summer and the year is slipping away from me. Um, and I was really surprised to see that we were already on the second week of August, and I haven't, I think we've gone to the beach once this year, we haven't gone to the preserve company yet, and so it's, you, you always think you're going to have all this time to, uh, to, to do all these fun things in the summer, and then it just kind of flies by before you know it. Um, and so I was also surprised when I started to prepare this week to see that it was already the fifth week of this series that we started um, on the I Am Statements of Jesus. Uh, now, as you probably have heard, I had quite a wild week, um, wild couple of weeks, so I don't have slides this week. Um, I do have a sermon, so that's, that's good. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be a little, uh, a little different this week, and that's all right. Um, yeah, so we've been studying these seven notable I am statements about Jesus. And I say notable because there's a few other times that he used that phrase, um, but these are the, the times when he was really making a declaration about himself. Uh, and, and basically the kind of premise of this whole series is that as people who live in a world and in a culture where Jesus and the church are well known, uh, even if they're not agreed with, um, we can sometimes be guilty of taking Jesus for granted uh, because we've, we've heard it throughout our entire lives uh, and, and we've known the message and so it's not like something new that's happened around us, um, unlike the people who were there when Jesus was alive. For those people, they hadn't heard the gospel yet. They didn't know who Jesus was. And so this summer, we've been kind of taking time to go back and see how Jesus revealed his nature and character and mission to the people around him during his ministry. And that's what this whole series has been about. So, so far, we've studied the first four statements. So the first one was, I am the bread of life, uh, and then I am the light of the world, I am the gate for the sheep, and then last week we looked at the fourth statement, I am the good shepherd. Uh, and, and as we progress through these statements, we're actually also progressing through the Gospel of John. And, and I just want to have, kind of wanted to point out that as we're getting closer to the end, we're getting closer to uh, Jesus's crucifixion. Uh, and, and we'll see that this week. Um, this statement we're looking at actually took place um, during the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, which was the event that actually prompted the Sanhedrin to begin to plot Jesus' arrest and execution. So we're kind of getting closer and closer to that point in the story. Now, like I said, for the audience present at the time, these statements were the first time that they'd ever learned these things about Jesus. At, at the time, he was kind of just like a street preacher uh, to them, and as he preached more and more and said these things, he started to reveal who he really was to the crowd, uh, and so they started to kind of get the idea of what he was there to do. So in this week's statement, what we'll see is that Jesus gives a resurrection and eternal life to anyone who believes in him. His statement this week is, I am the resurrection and the life. And then after he says this to uh, Martha, he backs up his claim by raising his good friend Lazarus from the dead. So let's look at this story. We'll open with prayer and then we'll, we'll read through it. Father God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for all the blessings you have given us. I just thank you for Jesus and for all that he has done for us and all that he is. And I just ask that as we go through this uh, statement and through this series that you would help deepen our faith and help us to experience Jesus uh, with fresh eyes. 
It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this week's story is, uh, it kind of starts at the start of John 11 and goes through to about half, three quarters of the way through the chapter, but we're really going to focus on verses 17 to 21. Uh, and so for that reason, because it is a long story, I just kind of want to give the, the synopsis of what's going on here before I read the passage. So after last week's story, uh, you may remember he healed the blind man, then the Pharisees got angry, and he told the, the story about the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, he said, I am the gate for the sheep. Uh, and then he said, I am the good shepherd. And after that, a little while afterwards, he was chased out of Judea. Uh, they tried to kill him. And so then he headed north towards Galilee, and they were kind of camping near the Jordan River, where John the Baptist had been baptizing. Uh, while they were up there, word was sent to Jesus that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, and his good friend, was sick. So Jesus heard this, and then he waited two days. He didn't leave right away. He waited two days, and then he told his disciples they were going to go to Lazarus. So after these two days, they went down to Judea again, to Bethany, uh, which was less than two miles from Jerusalem. So his disciples were kind of nervous. They're going right into the danger zone. Um, you know, if they're scared that someone's going to try and kill Jesus again, like this is not where they want to be. Uh, so they go down there, uh, and then when they arrive... They find out that Lazarus has actually been dead and in the tomb for four days. And so that's where our passage begins in John 11, verse 17 to 21. And I'll read that now in NIV. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now I know, even now, that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives in me, or whoever lives by believing in me, will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So that's the part we're going to focus on today. Uh, I'm just going to read that first couple verses again, and we're going to work through the passage uh, as we do. So it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been already in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. But then it says that many Jews came to, uh, to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And, and something that unites people throughout most cultures in history, uh, as I very well know this week, is the community support of those, for those who have lost somebody. Now, of course, Every culture does this differently. There's all, always different um, religious and cultural practices, whatever culture you're in. Uh, but something that's fairly communal, no matter where you go, no matter what culture you're in, is that there's support for people who have lost someone. So in Judaism, it was expected that friends and family would come to the family that ceased immediately following the loss. Uh, they wouldn't wait. They'd come right away, and they would stay for days. Now, the person's neighbors would provide the first meal after the death, and something a little different than today is that they would bury that person immediately. As soon as they are dead, you bury them that day. 
Uh, there's no waiting period or wake like we would have today. Now, there's, there's a decent amount of evidence to suggest that first century Jews believed that the soul of the deceased person hovered around the body for three days seeking re-entry. And then on the fourth day, when the spirit saw that decomposition had begun, the spirit would leave to go to Shoal. And, and that's not 100%. There's just a lot of evidence that suggests that kind of practice, that that was what they believed. Um, there's definitely evidence that there was a distinction in the grieving period and the, the ceremonies uh, between the third and fourth days. That was very apparent. Now, the reason I tell you all this is that Jesus waited two days after receiving word, and then he showed up on the fourth day. And that was significant for them. He timed his arrival to coincide with the conclusion of the first three days of intense mourning until after they believed the soul had left the body and the body had begun to decompose. By waiting, there was no way that anyone could challenge him and say that Lazarus had not really been dead. So verse 20 to 22 says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Martha stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So, kind of how they, they did things then, um, as just more background, for the first seven days after a loved one had been buried, the close family would sit on the floor of their house, and all the visitors would come and visit them there. And it's still a custom that's practiced today in Judaism. It's called Shiva, or seven days. So Mary is staying at home, practicing this. She's at home, all the visitors are coming, she's sitting on the floor. But Martha is actually breaking with custom and going out to meet Jesus when he arrives. Then Martha says to him, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now that God will give you whatever you ask. Now, Whatever she meant by that, she was clearly not expecting him to resurrect her brother to life then and there, as we'll see from the rest of her response. Uh, it seems to be more of a general acknowledgement that she knows Jesus is close to God and that God listens to his prayers. Uh, and, and so that's kind of where it gets interesting. We don't, we don't want to psychoanalyze Martha too much here. And I think when uh, some of the commentators I read do that, it almost does people a bit of a disservice you know, I, I always say, it's, if, if I was one of those people in the Old Testament and all of my flaws were written down for history for everyone to read for thousands of years, that would be pretty terrible. <laughs> uh, so I, I try not to psychoanalyze people too much. Um, but in this passage, there's definitely evidence that while Martha does have strong faith in Jesus, her faith is flawed. She believes clearly that if Jesus had been there, he wouldn't have died. So she knows he could have healed her, or could have healed him, but it seems that once Lazarus was dead, she seems to think that his authority and power somehow could no longer help. That's, that's the end line. Like, Jesus, once they're dead, Jesus can't help them anymore. Shoot, if you'd only been here a couple days before, you could have miraculously healed them. Um, Jesus can make blind people see, or make paralyzed people walk, but... Apparently, bringing back someone from the dead was too much. Verses 23 to 24, Jesus says to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
And if she'd really understood what he meant when he said your brother will rise again, it might have been startling. But as we know that they would have had friends and family coming from Jerusalem, she seems to kind of take this as one of those platitudes you receive in those situations. She's probably heard statements like that many times in the past four days. So she kind of gives the response she probably gave to all the others who said, you know, oh, your brother will rise again. She's like, oh, I know. Thank you. Uh, That kind of seems to be her response here. But it's something kind of cool in the Gospel of John. Uh, You'll often see these double truths uh, where one statement has double meaning. uh, And that's kind of what's going on here. So there's the surface meaning that would naturally have been assumed when someone says something. When Jesus says, your brother will rise again, obviously the natural implication for them is, yeah, I know, there's a final resurrection where we'll be all brought back to life. But there's a deeper, more spiritually significant meaning here. Jesus wasn't talking about the final resurrection. He meant he was about to physically restore her brother back to life in that moment, which would symbolize the resurrection on the last day. So she says, yes, I know, he'll come back. And then in verse 25 to 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So this is our I am statement this week. And we have Martha's response here as well. And you probably have noticed throughout all these other statements we've studied that in some way all of these statements have to do with Jesus as the life giver. Uh, he, in some way or another, he gives life or he provides life. Uh, and we see that here as well. But not only is he the life giver, he is life itself. And what we see here is that he gives us life by becoming our life. So the two terms he uses here are unpacked in the following statements. First of all, I am the resurrection. And the response in that second part is, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And of course, this addresses the situation that Martha is currently in. And then Jesus claims that it is faith in him that brings you back to life at the final judgment, which means that he is the source of hope for coming back from death. But then he says, I am the life. Whoever believes and believes in me will never die. And so if your faith is in him, not only will you experience a resurrection, you will also experience eternal life. So we have two main thoughts, resurrection from death and eternal life. And Martha shows in the previous verses that she understands and believes in some sort of resurrection at the end of time. But Jesus is essentially telling her to reshape her hope radically. Resurrection life, which triumphs over death, is not just some distant thing to give her hope. It's present here and now in Jesus, who is the resurrection and is life itself. He is the embodiment of life and salvation. And to believe in him means that death is defeated. And while we may suffer a physical death, It's not the elimination of hope. It is not goodbye. For the believer in Jesus, the present reality is the eternal life of God through faith in Jesus. So he says all this, and then he asks her, do you believe this? And her response kind of made me chuckle when I was studying. 
She responds, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now you may have noticed that's not what he asked. He asked whether she believes he is the resurrection and the life, and she says, Yes, I, I believe that you're the Messiah and the Son of God. Now, like I said, a lot of commentaries I read this week talked a lot about the deficiency of Martha's faith and how she just doesn't have strong enough faith to believe in Jesus or to understand what he means. And it's just one of those things that kind of bothered me while I was studying because, I don't know, to, to that I say I don't know what they're talking about because to me it seems her understanding is deficient, but her faith is very, very strong. She doesn't know what he means, but she still believes in him. I would argue that that's a lot stronger than mine. You know, to not understand and still just say, well, that's okay, I still believe. That's how I interpret that. I don't think her faith is deficient. Her understanding, maybe, but her faith, no. She may not know what she's, he is saying to her, but her faith is still genuine. I think that's an encouragement to us, too, because we don't always understand God's plans or ways. In fact, most of the time we don't. Uh, but it's an encouragement to say that even though we don't always understand, it's okay. You can still just believe and trust. So that's where our story ends, uh, or our passage. Uh, but I don't want to leave the, the story unfinished just because we're focusing on the I am statement. So um, if you haven't heard this story, Jesus, after this, goes and talks to Mary. Um, she kind of reiterates Martha's thoughts and then... Jesus asks them to take him to the tomb and remove the stone that covers the entrance. Uh, then he says to them, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And he prays and commands Lazarus to come out of the tomb, and then Lazarus walks out alive once again. Although it's one of those things that, not to add the comical twist, but I feel like when you're reading the Bible, sometimes you just have questions. Uh, and it says that he was all wrapped up. Um, so I'm just picturing, like, did he walk out or was he hopping out? Like, I just, I feel like that's kind of funny to picture, but just one of those things that pop into my mind while I was studying. So, so each week we've studied these statements to see what they meant to the original audience and how it impacted them. And then we talk about what it means for us. So it's clear what it meant for Mary and Martha that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Um, he was talking not just about a future, and he was talking about a future, it's that double truth, but he was also saying that he is present as the resurrection and the life for them right here and right now. So what does this mean for us? And for us, we get a lot of that eschatological conclusion. So first of all, Jesus will resurrect anyone who believes in him. As the resurrection, Jesus will resurrect anyone who believes in him. Now for Lazarus, I always want to call him Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus. Uh, this was an immediate resurrection. But like I said, there's double meanings in the Gospel of John. And in this case, it very much is also foreshadowing the resurrection at the final judgment. If you have faith in Jesus, you will experience a bodily resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, just to get into a little bit of a sidetrack here, um, you may hear some people tell you that since we are going to be bodily resurrected, it's wrong or sinful to you know, be buried in a certain way or to be cremated versus buried or all of this. 
And I feel like once you read through this story and you kind of see the, the deficiency uh, of understanding with Martha, it, it kind of makes you realize how deficient that understanding is for us. Um, because if God can raise someone from the dead who's died, buried, decomposed, if he can bring them back to life, is it really that much different or that much harder to bring back someone who was cremated or who, who died in a fire or who was buried at sea? Like it's it's kind of like... Um, you know, the Muslims, uh, when they took over Jerusalem in the Middle Ages, uh, they blocked up a gate in Jerusalem because Christians believe that's the gate Jesus will come back through the resurrection. So they're like, oh, well, if we fill it with bricks, then now Jesus can't come back through the gate. Like, well, if, if Jesus is miraculously coming down out of heaven, <laughs> I feel like probably a couple bricks aren't going to stop him. And I, I feel like in the same way, if Jesus can raise someone from the dead, um, Period. I think he can figure out how to do it if they've been cremated or if they've been buried at sea. Um, so I don't think that's something we need to worry about too much. If Jesus says we will be resurrected, we will be resurrected. Lazarus, Lazarus again. Uh, Lazarus is his proof that he can resurrect others, and his own empty tomb is proof that he has the authority and the power to do so. The second thing for us to take away is that Jesus will give eternal life to anyone who believes in him. And, and again, I, I always feel like I'm repeating myself when I say this, but a lot of this is stuff that we know. But we're, we're kind of studying how uh, he revealed these things to people at first. And, and so these were the big impactful, um, here's who I am to the people as he was preaching. So through this action that he took, through raising Lazarus from the dead, he is declaring that he gives eternal life to anyone who believes in him. And that's the bigger promise here. Because yes, we will be resurrected. And yes, Lazarus was resurrected. But for all those who believe in him, we will never suffer a spiritual death. We will forever be in his presence. 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. By putting your faith in Jesus, you are putting your faith in him who is the embodiment of resurrection and life. And as a result, you will receive both. So as we conclude this week, I know that these are things that we've all known, but I just kind of want us to consider freshly what this means for us. Because it is real, and it is so much more important than all the things we spend our time focusing on, on the days between Sundays, myself included. Jesus didn't just come and say things. He backed up his words with actions and evidence. As I was studying, I learned that um, the Jewish name for Bethany now is actually uh, a Hebrew translation of the word, or the name Lazarus. That's what they call the town now. Um, or a lot of people in that area do. So this is just outside of Scripture. They actually still call that name Lazarus. This is something that happened. And as we study the ways through this series in which he revealed himself to humanity, I hope that it'll be impactful and changing to all of us to experience Jesus and all that he is with fresh and open eyes. We're often like Martha. We don't always understand. We don't always have strong faith. But Jesus says that he gives a resurrection and eternal life to anyone who believes in him. And it's my hope that 
when it doesn't make sense, and even when we don't understand, that we will still believe and that we will still put our faith in him. I'll pray. Father God, I thank you once again for all that you have done and all that you've done for us through Jesus. I just thank you for the ways in which he revealed himself to us during his time here and showed his power and his authority. And I just ask that even when we don't understand that you would help us to trust and put our faith in him, I just ask that you would help these uh, these truths about Jesus to remain with us through the week as we live our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.